Hey everyone, welcome back to the Tenkara Cast, another episode of the mini series I'm calling the Japan Cast, where I'm bringing reports of my experience fishing with Tenkara in Japan, the country of origin. And today we have our special guest that we've been waiting for, Jeremy Shellhorn. A lot of you might know him as our designer, he's the one that designed the book, a lot of the branding for Tenkara USA and so forth. And this time he's joining me on the road for a few days. And uh, Jeremy, welcome to Japan. Konnichiwa. Hello. Yeah, you're already picking up Japanese. No, that's as, that's as much as I know. What else have you learned? Um, I have learned that Japanese people are very nice to people like me that don't speak any Japanese. <laughs> that's a good cop-out to say that you're not studying the language, but that's not where we're here. Uh, why did you uh, come to Japan this time? Um, well, I came, number one, I, as a designer, I always wanted to come to Japan. Um, the just the culture and philosophy there's so much great design wrapped up in it and um, also just from following your adventures wanting to come here and see those these places and these and fish these streams uh, myself and um, yeah it's kind of a dream come true we're in a in uh, the town of Maze where it sort of started for you in a little bit and um, there I'm looking out the window at the Mazagawa River um, and if everybody want to listen to the river you can sort of hear it, maybe, maybe not. Um, but where we're at in Japan, to me, the first impression was it sort of looks like like Appalachia, like the um, kind of smoky re region in terms of the, the mountains. Um, but then the rivers are really wide um, and, um, and really blue, um, even though there's been a lot of rain. Uh, so it's just, it's beautiful here. Nice. So, uh, how long have you been in Japan at this point? Uh, we've been about, what, two and a half days, maybe? Right, Jane. Um, took a little bit of, you know, a little while to get here, like, um, just some travel difficulties. Uh, but then, and there were, there were some heavy rains when we first got here, but, um, it was nice to, you guys picked me up, and, uh, it was, it was fun, because one of the first things that we did is we stopped and saw Harata-san, uh, and his, uh, kind of his tackle shop. Yeah, so Hirata-san is the uh, the person who some of you might have read about the Mamushi Kebari, uh, the snakeskin fly. If you haven't, check out the tenkariose.com forward slash podcast. I'm going to put a link to it, uh, to the story that I did many years ago on this podcast uh, page on the Japancast series. Uh, so Hirata-san ties the snakeskin fly that are kind of famous. So that was the first thing that we did in Gujo. And uh, what else did we do after uh, we stopped at his shop? Uh, well, the, one of the neat things about stopping at his shop was seeing, I mean, he carries all kinds of tackle um, and for fishing for IU, which is kind of his specialty. But then when you saw his Tenkara um, section, it was very small. Um, he, he really just kind of talked to, to us about his kind of views on simplicity. And, and for him, it was really about the color of the fly. And that was kind of cool. Um, he, he really told us about, like, you know, he doesn't change much. Uh, in his tenkara fishing except for really thinking about what the sky is doing and what the, the bedrock of the and the, the bottom of the stream is like and that he changes it mostly on color and then from there we uh, where'd we head from Gujo we, we we were with um, Dr. Ishigaki um, and so we spent a little time in a, a ryokan sort of a traditional inn uh, which was really cool for me to see the sort of architecture and um, just the whole kind of culture 
and a philosophy behind those inns. Yeah, that was in Shokawa. Uh, so that's all kind of like, you know, the Gifu prefecture, almost in the Japanese Alps kind of area. Um, Minamihida is kind of the other area, but Gifu prefecture is kind of where we've been touring. And uh, as Jeremy mentioned, like one of the most interesting things that I didn't know about Mr. Hirata was the his emphasis on color. And that's like so different from any other Tenkara anglers that I fish with. So one day I have to come back and actually fish with Mr. Hirata. Uh, I've always seen him as a little bit more focused on Ayu fishing. Uh, but as you know, he told us he actually does spend a lot of time Tenkara fishing too. And it's all about color. So if you see the photo of the Mamushike body, the snakeskin fly that I'm going to be posting on this link, um, you'll see that it's a dark fly. You know, he uses the dark segments of the snake. And then he has like light color flies, you know, and that's kind of the primary differences. But he was saying that for him, the light color flies imitate like immature bugs that are kind of soft. And then the dark flies are crunchy, older bugs. So that's Ex- extra, those, extra crispy. Extra crispy. And some trout like that, you know, depending on the season and that kind of thing. So yeah, I feel like I still have a lot to learn from Mr. Hirata. He's, and he had some other notes too that were like very unorthodox, I think, in fly fishing in general, but definitely Tenkata. Yeah, he was a really sweet guy, really nice. And his um, wife was super nice. And um, because we were with uh, Dr. Ishigaki, she actually gave... Um, us some frozen IU that then we ended up taking to uh, the inn that we were staying and um, they prepared it for us a a couple days while we were there. Yeah and that's actually I should mention right now it's big time IU season you know that's really the focus on a lot of the rivers uh, in this region. Uh, There are some Tenkara anglers here and there but IU is by far the biggest uh, focus. That's something that they really love to eat it's a prized kind of fish. Uh, but Jeremy, tell us, uh, tell us about the toilets in Japan. The 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 Toto Washlet toilet. I could be a brand ambassador for that toilet. It's an amazing thing. I probably um, stopped at the the greatest public restroom in the history of mankind when when we uh, were headed up here, um, when we were actually headed up to Osaka. Um, and stopped in a little roadside inn. So, yes, I'm very impressed. Actually, not a roadside inn, but just a roadside stop. There you know, you it was not even an inn. Oh, yeah. It was like a free place where you get a little bit of bite to eat. And that toilet was pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was actually do- toilets that play music. Uh, and actually, most of them will play the sound of a stream or rushing water to kind of disguise the, the sound of your uh, bodily functions. Yeah. Uh, but most of them will have jets and fans. And, <laughs> and speaking of music, we both learned that um, Dr. Ushigaki's, one of his favorite going to the river soundtracks is uh, old Western uh, film soundtracks. So that was pretty fun, driving to the river with him the next day after sort of... Uh, stopping at Hirata-san's and um, him blasting some, I, I believe it was like from a spaghetti western or something like that. Oh, yeah. I listened to a lot of that music with him on this trip, and uh, that was new for me, too. I hadn't, I didn't know that was his favorite music. Still learning about him after 10 years of getting to know him. Now, in terms of design, I mean, that's kind of a part of the reason you came here, just kind of getting inspiration. And, of course, you haven't been here very long, but have you made any kind of observations on any kind of really cool design things and perhaps how they apply to Tenkara as well? Um, I mean, we've seen, we've actually seen a lot. I, I kind of need to stop and, and sort of reflect, but one of the things that stood out is um, 
when I got here, I, there was a considerable amount of rain, so we had to kind of wait a day for the rivers to come down a little bit. And we we went to a, um, it's actually a World Heritage site. It was a village. I, I don't Shirakawago. Yeah, and and what it's known for is the these uh, what's called gasho, which is like your which stands for sort of like the shape of like prayer hands. So it's, a, it's almost like the original A-frame house. Um, and they're really thickly thatched, um, some sort of grass or reed. Um, and it was, it was pretty cool. It was almost like the original kind of um, apartment tenement house. Uh, the one we were in was like five stories high, and, which was impressive for a, a wooden structure. And um, it was, they're beautiful, but just so simple in that the reason that they built them like that was, was to um, be able to hold um, the amount of snowfall that's in that area. And so again, just another example of Japanese design where um, it's just so, the, the aesthetics is so simple, but the, the rationale for it is, is such a functional um, rationale. There's and such it, a reason for it. And it's really based on the environment where they're in. Like Tenkara really developed for mountain stream fishing, you know, in a, in a way, in that place with uh, tons of snow. And I think they said, what, they got like 30 feet ten, of snow, 10 yeah, meters 10 of meters. snow? Yeah. And it's just amazing. Uh, yeah. yeah, and from there we stopped at a really great roadside ramen place. Um, and so just, there's just, uh, food is, is also uh, uh, so intertwined in everything you do here. And so I have eaten really, really well. <laughs> And uh, so a few notes as well uh, for our listeners before we kind of talk about other things. Um, and perhaps we might run out of time tonight. We might have to have another episode before uh, we finish the trip, uh, which is going to be on the 5th of this month. Uh, we leave on the 6th. But I mentioned on my last episode that Dr. Shigaki's Tenkara has been getting a little bit more complicated. Um, you know, like when we went to Hokkaido, he was using multiple different flies. Um, you know, like dries and nymphs. And we did talk to him about that a fair amount, actually. We did a video interview that I'm hoping to uh, publish sometime soon. And Jeremy was there as well. Do you recall, Jeremy, what, uh, why, like, about his fishing, like how it's been changing or why he might have tried different flies? Uh, I think for him it was it was more of a location specific change. So he would, he, he has been changing up more, but it was really because of the particular context or what was happening on the stream or wherever he was that was um, changing it up but you know I think it's also just another example of how you know people learn different things they try new things I mean when you've got such a simple setup it really does um, kind of inspire some creativity yeah and uh, the other thing too with that question to him was you know, I asked him a few, many different questions, of course, but I asked him, has he fishing, uh, has it changed in the last 10 years? And he said, of course, he has changed a lot. He's had a lot of different experiences. Uh, and of course, part of that has been fishing a lot in the United States. He's come just about every year uh, to come fishing. So he specifically mentioned a trip where I took him to Wyoming. Uh, we're fishing some relatively tough rivers that I've caught a lot of fish using Tenkata flies. But on that particular friend, we were with our late friend, uh, Doug Haggard, and Doug uh, had some tiny little nymphs of some sort. And after some time of not catching many fish, uh, Doug convinced Dr. Shigaki to put on the little nymph. Shigaki-sensei went on, caught some fish immediately. 
and I think he kind of saw the value of experimenting or listening to a local, uh, to the local knowledge. So he did mention that he still believes the one flight can work anywhere. Uh, but he said, he actually said, when in Rome, you do as the Romans do. Uh, he said that in Japanese, which is kind of funny to hear, and I'm not going to try to say how it <laughs> sounded, but uh, uh, because Rome kind of sounds the same, it was pretty fun to understand. Uh, so yeah, so he's kind of a little bit less strict, I think, in terms of flies. He's kind of seeing that there is room for trying different things, um, although he says that he mostly just believes the size is the important thing. So yeah. that was kind of a... Well, he, he told us a really cool... Well, and I'm sure I'll pronounce it wrong or not even be able to pronounce it, but he, he talked when we were one... I think it was after breakfast one day at the end where he was talking to you and Margaret and kind of about your guys' relationship, and he talked about some sort of master kind of apprentice hmm. and that uh, oftentimes an, you know, uh, an apprentice will sort of copy the master... Uh, but then it's important that the apprentice make it their own. Um, and so I think that's something that he was, um, he was really talking, I think maybe to you about like how this is what I'm doing, but I think you're at the point now where you can do your sort of own thing. Uh, and that's actually a note that I took, um, when he mentioned that, and I was really happy that he mentioned that the term was actually shuhari. So... Uh, it roughly means that you learn enough that you eventually develop your own style. You learn, you learn enough about traditional stuff and you protect it and you, you preserve it, but then you break it and you develop your own style. So the term shuhari, um, S-H-U-H-A-R-I. Uh, shu actually means roughly preserve or protect, usually protect a tradition. Ha means break. And usually in this context, it would be to break a tradition. And then the to, um, or sorry, the the, the last part, um, is to part ways. And maybe that's kind of where we are starting to get. Um, you know, it's, I've known and been learning from Sensei for 10 years. Uh, but right, especially in Hokkaido, when I did my last episode of this podcast, and I mentioned that, you know, he was trying different flies and I was really trying to keep my flies and I was catching fish with them. And I started realizing right there and then that I kind of tend to value simplicity a lot more. I mean, he's really a dedicated angler. That's what he does with all his time. I fish a lot, uh, but as you know, I also do a lot of different things. And when it comes to my fly fishing, simplicity probably trumps everything else. And I want to have the least amount of headaches, the least amount to think about. Uh, and still catch a lot of fish, of course, but uh, that's really important to me. So I think uh, for probably the first seven years of Tenkariose, I've been really focused on preserving, protecting the tradition. Uh, for the last couple of years, breaking it a little bit, perhaps, you know, maybe going after bass, which Dr. Shigaki uh, said he doesn't think it's Tenkara, even if you use all the same equipment. So I kind of been breaking things a little bit. But now we possibly start parting ways in some ex to some extent. I mean, our fishing is still very similar, of course. But um, yeah, it was an interesting new term to learn uh, this time. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's sort of, a, you know, I think the method inspires kind of, like I said before, creativity and you kind of making it your own. I also think probably the when I, I got to fish with Dr. Ishigaki, 
and which was amazing um, to watch him a little bit and then have so him instruct me. But I think also when he's instructing people that don't have as much experience, you know, he is teaching them sort of like some standard kind of traditional rules. You know, he's kind of moved beyond that and trying new things because he's, I mean, he is even a professor. I mean, he's an educator and likes to learn things. Um, but when he's teaching new people, you know, that simplicity... Um, and I was probably a bad student because we did get to go fish for a little bit and I was not probably listening to the, to the rules all the time but um, I think he, he's just such a happy guy that likes to get people interested in Tenkara um, you know probably my guess is fishing with so many people over the years that um, you know it's important to to promote and protect and sort of pass on the traditions but then also um, you know get people you know it's it's about having fun too yeah and the teacher part too like uh in one of the questions was you know about learning uh from dr shigaki like whether his fishing has changed whether he learned new things um and he is really good at kind of seeing things to that he can still learn even all, after all this time uh, he's very interested. He's a very curious person, and I think at one point years ago he mentioned, "If you don't have curiosity, you don't have anything to live for." So that's just his personality, and it kind of matches, I think, Jeremy and I uh, very well as well. And the cool thing about it is, like you know, we're fishing, uh, and Jeremy's kind of uh, doing a slightly different technique, like a slightly lower, a slower kind of drag on the fly, and he was caught a couple of fish. And Dr. Shigaki does not think that's wrong. He learns from it. And there's this saying, uh, it's a Chinese saying, and I actually forget what the, the Chinese term is, um, but you say whenever there's three people, there's always a teacher. And it just kind of means there's a circle. You always learn from the people around you, and that's always uh, important. It's, uh, and I think in my own Tenkata too, as I mentioned, Breaking Ways, learning from people that are adapting it. Um, I think in the past I might have come across as a little bit do uh, very dogmatic, and that was probably my first phase in the shuhari. I was in a really focused on preserving it, you know, like really kind of understanding it, really kind of getting the all the essence, all the foundations down before I could ever feel like I could break it. And I, you know, possibly I'm getting there, but if I've ever come across as a little bit too dogmatic, purist, traditionalist, that was never my intent, you know, I, and I, I do see value in trying new things, even though for me, as I mentioned, one of the biggest I think uh, things that I value is not changing flies a whole lot. So I keep my fly fishing super simple. Um, yeah, well, you got to learn the rules to be able to sort of break them. And I think that's a pretty common saying in a lot of different, you know, from lots of different, you know, hobbies or just disciplines, things that you're learning. And I think for, you know, for you're a very open-minded person. So it's like, you know, that's, you would never close your mind to something, you know, um, on purpose, but it's mostly just like, hey, you focus in on something, learn how it works before, then you can figure out how to sort of riff on that. And, and, and I think that's what's kind of happened. Yeah, and I think the focus for me has been, okay, how little can I get away with? You know, the idea of one fly, okay, can I make this work in a huge amount of conditions? And, you know, I spent seven years, eight years, nine years doing that. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it is interesting to experiment with things, but yeah, I've got to remind myself as well not to be too dogmatic. You know, it's, it's just fishing. It's just fun. At the yeah, end. and we've gotten to do some fishing, and um, the the rivers have been a little high, but they've 
started to be a little bit co more clear. Um, and so, yeah, caught my first uh, trout. I thought it was a Yamame, ended up being an Imago. Um, but it was fantastic. And um, yeah, they've been kind of slow, but it feels like when we found some pools, um, we've pulled a few trout out of them and hopefully more to come. All right, so we got to wrap up. We got to go out for dinner. Uh, tell us really quick, how was the fishing today? What did you do today uh, for fishing? Uh, fishing, we woke up early. Um, what time? Uh, what did we wake up? Six? Yeah, yeah we, we woke up, up six. six. Right, mm -hmm. We had our breakfast was at eight. Uh, probably should have made breakfast at 8.30. Um, there was a stream. What was the stream? Um, uh, forget what the name of that river is, but we probably shouldn't share it anyways because yeah, it's true. Uh, kind and of it a was, side yeah, stream. Yeah, it was right behind um, the uh, Rio Con where we stayed. And um, Daniel and I just popped over the uh, road that just led down there. And um, like I said, the, the river was up a little bit, so we fished mostly pools kind of on the, the um, edges of the stream. And... Um, had a little luck yeah yeah actually uh, some flies on the top uh worked as well as um, putting some in a plunge pool and getting it down deep so everything worked yeah it was good it's good all right everyone uh we're gonna wrap up we gotta go join some friends for dinner right now uh but uh stay tuned we're probably gonna do one last episode if not any yeah, in we'll between talk to you tomorrow maybe yeah maybe tomorrow uh, <laughs> but we'll try to do at the very least one more at the end of the trip but uh stay tuned we might be able to publish another one while we're here we got two more days of uh, a lot of fishing uh so stay tuned for that and until next time on a tenkata cast And I'd like to extend a special thanks to Nico Gala Takenobu for allowing us to use his music on his podcast and our videos. This song is called Deeper Than a Vine, and you can check out his music at takenobumusic.com or also look up our new playlist in Spotify, Tenkata Tunes, and you'll find a lot of his songs in there.